Poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Chasing Poker Greatness with your host, Brad Wilson. Welcome, 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 my friend of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Brad Wilson. And today, I would love to welcome back for a very special round two conversation, my favorite tournament director of all time, Matt Savage. If you've forgotten, Matt is the executive tour director of the World Poker Tour, and has seen just about all there is to see at live poker tournaments. While recorded only a few weeks ago, this conversation took place before the passing of longtime voice of the World Poker Tour and great personal friend of Matt's, Mike Sexton. Expect to hear some tales of being on the road with Mike, as well as how the Mike Sexton Champions Cup came to be. You'll also want to be prepared for us to close on a somber note, with Matt sharing stories about Ethan May, a WPT tournament director who tragically passed away at the way too young age of 30. In this round two conversation with Matt, you'll also learn how somehow, despite there not being any live poker to go around, Matt has less free time than he ever has. What's going on with those WPT final tables that have just been sitting around in purgatory since the beginning of the year? Matt's thoughts on the rise of all of the online multi-table tournament series, and much, much more. So without any further ado, I bring to you the GOAT tournament director and Poker Hall of Famer in my heart, Matt Savage. Matt, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, my friend? I'm great. I'm happy to be a second-time guest on your show. Yeah, you're one of my favorites. Uh, one of the people that I look forward to COVID ending for a lot of different reasons. And one of the major reasons are the relationships that I build with folks that have come on my show. And I'm like, I need to get to Vegas. I need to get to these places just to meet people and go have dinner and, and build on those relationships, you know? Absolutely. And I know you want to play some more tournaments, I heard. So uh, that would be great if we actually do some live tournaments. I've been listening to all your shows. You're doing a great job. So uh, happy to be a part of it again. I'm a flip-flopper, but you know, you can push me over the edge. I go back and <laughs> forth, right? Like I'll, I'll have a conversation with a tournament person and then I'll, I'll be thinking about it and like daydreaming about playing in a tournament. Then I'll have a conversation with Melissa Burr and she says that she would rather be boiled alive than <laughs> deal with stallers at the end of a tournament. And I'm like, you're right. You know, and then I'm like, Hmm, maybe just cash. So I, I, I waffle back and forth, but if you're, if you're running the show, I'll jump in there playing some tournaments for you. I mean, you're pretty close to Jacksonville, right? Not too I think, far. Yeah. Not too far. It's a drive six, eight hours, but okay. no big deal. All right. Well, they've got uh, their poker room open and they're going pretty strong. So uh, their biggest issue is keeping dealers, uh, you know, in, in place because they don't have enough dealers. Really? So, uh, yeah. It's a problem with a lot of the places that are open now. It's just that people are not wanting to go back to work or 
you know, not buying enough people to deal because other card rooms are closed. So the ones that are open have been so busy uh, and having to spread more tables, obviously, because you can have less people at the table. So it's been one of those things that's been going on in the, the live poker world. Yeah, I can imagine. And I guess it's a problem for the card rooms too, because you don't want to, you don't want to overstaff and then things right. kind of go back to normal and you got to fire 30% of your new people. And like, it's uh, yeah, I, I don't envy anybody who's dealing with this in any of these arenas. And I've been, I've been wondering about you, you know, live tournament director during COVID. Like, are you just like directing your kids and your wife around in your house? <laughs> like, what do you, how do you spend your time? Well, uh, to be honest, I've been playing a lot of golf, <laughs> which has been good. Uh, that's been fun. I've, uh, made a lot of new relationships through playing golf, uh, just people that have got into it since then, because it's one of the few things you can do uh, and you can do pretty safely, right? I mean, we haven't had any outbreaks from any golf courses uh, that I've heard of. Uh, so it's one of the things I've been doing a lot of, but you know, with party poker, uh, being a partner of ours on the world poker tour, we've kind of dove into doing a lot of things with them. They have that hundred million guaranteed series that's going on. I've been doing final table commentary, which it's something I've never done before, but uh, I hopped in with Jamie Kerstetter and Maria Ho and uh, Tony Dunst and, and Vince and all those people have been doing that. There's also uh, Club WPT that I've been working on and doing streams with them. And uh, they even gave me a little segment that I do every week called the Savage Beat. So I've been kind of keeping really busy. And of course, at the same time, planning on going out into the real world at some point and uh, getting those things started. So a lot of the people that I talk to all the time, like Bill Mason at Seminole Hard Rock, and uh, Ben Irwin up at Thunder Valley, and then my people at Bay 101, and of course, Commerce, where uh, I actually got let go, unfortunately, but uh, still keep in touch with them, trying to make sure that they're uh, trying to get back open as well. So, and it's a tough one because, you know, my friend Ben Irwin, while his room is going really well at Thunder Valley, he's stuck in a spot where he's debating with himself whether he wants to advertise the fact that they're open and really push it to get a lot of people to come in and play. Uh, it's really, really a strange time for live poker. Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, depending on, you know, I'm sure that so there are some dealers who have probably worked at these card rooms for a long time that have family members who are susceptible that don't want to take the risk and go back to work yet. I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a mess, honestly. It, it's just really a, a messy, messy situation. Yeah. And, you know, that's one of the things like I've been working on the last couple of days. I just had my golf tournament out in California. So it was always like the negotiation of, is it going to be open? You know, who can play all this other stuff turned out it went really well. Nobody ended up, you know, getting COVID out of that, which was great. And uh, everybody's home and safe. We've been back for almost a month now and that went really smooth and successful. And then, you know, now I'm gearing up for NFL and fantasy football. Uh, I'm the commissioner for a couple of leagues and, uh, <laughs> Everybody came back, which is amazing. And, uh, you know, we're ready to roll with the NFL. So hopefully that uh, gets going and there's no issues there. But, uh, yeah, it's a crazy world we're living in now. And uh, as you know, things are happening every day and things are changing. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm happy to uh, get back out there. But uh, as of right now, it's just not happening. It's good that you're keeping busy and yeah. just, just wait for the – NFL to fail and then you can't even be commissioner in your fantasy football leagues. That'll be the <laughs> that'll be your finishing blow. Yeah, let's hope that doesn't happen. We're really uh, hoping that it goes smoothly for them too. But uh, yeah, the sports leagues and man, it's just every day there's something new. It's uh, it's really a crazy year. What's what's happening with the tournaments that are just paused? Because I know that you had some tournaments that played down to the final table, I believe. And they've just been in flux. These guys just hanging out. 
Yeah, so basically we have three final tables on the WPT that uh, need to be re, uh, revisited and played. And, uh, you know, the goal is to do them live at the Luxor at the HyperX Esports Arena here in town. And uh, as of right now, we haven't got the clearance from the Luxor and the Nevada Gaming Board to do so. And, you know, some of the protocols that they are asking for is obviously masks at the table and plexiglass and and that currently, you know, it's just something that will not work with our production. And, you know, of course, we want to be uh, super cautious with the players and with our production and with our staff and everybody involved. So right now we're just kind of in a holding pattern. We've been in touch with all the players. We've had meetings with the players to try and to see what they wanted to do. Uh, there was some options given to them, as, as, you know, as if they wanted to make a deal or not. But, you know, one of those things that you have to, to judge is if we do those type of things, we do have to crown a champion. So uh, there's been some things we've discussed about that. But also, in addition to that, you know, a lot of these guys still want to play, right? Uh, they were all paid sixth place money. So we're hoping that they're all doing okay. And, and uh, you know, financially, and that there's no real hardship. And, and luckily to, to the 18 players that have, have been there, nobody really seems to be too concerned about it. They know that we're going to play the final tables. We know they're going to, we're going to play the final tables. It's just when and, uh, you know, and how long that's going to take for us to get all those things approved. And so, that's kind of where we're at with that. Uh, you know, it's a sad situation for us. And of course we want to get uh, the players their money as soon as possible, but uh, we just couldn't have anticipated something like this ever happening. Well, I mean, multi-table tournament players play for the final table, right? This is like the fruit of all the suffering that they deal with and busting out over and over and over again, they get to play a final table. So I do not, uh, you know, I do not put it, hold it against them that they want to play it you know they want to play it down it's good that y'all paid everybody sixth place money that should tide everybody over for a little while um why can't you just do a bubble just get a bubble and like (laughs) like the nba make them get everybody tested and just get it done it's definitely been discussed. Uh, it's something we would probably do, uh, you know, kind of a partial thing where we would test people before the final tables. But in addition to that, we have international players at all of our uh, tables. So that's the biggest uh, hurdle right now is getting people over here. And those guys, by the way, are saying, let's just play it, you know, here or there. Let's just go to Canada or Mexico and all this stuff and do it. And, you know, obviously getting the American players to go over there is going to be an issue as well. So, you know, as of right now, we're just kind of holding on. We're hoping for later this year and, uh, you know, if worst case would be probably early next year. So I'm hoping that we can get that done, but uh, you know, it's just such a tough situation. Uh, you know, we want to see those guys promote those guys and, and have a great final table for them. And of course have the experience that they, you know, want at the final table with people watching them and, and things like that. And it was just such a great venue to have a final table that when we did the last ones last year. Uh, so we would love to be able to repeat that. But uh, as of right now, we just aren't ready has the WPT considered going the UFC riot route, just buying, you know, an Island poker <laughs> Island. <laughs> no, that'd be cool. Fly I'd be everybody all, in. <laughs> I'd be all for that for sure. Yeah. It looks like the, like the uh, view behind you. I'd love to be uh, somewhere like that playing poker. That's for sure. Uh, I miss those days. I miss the days of the Aruba tournaments and uh, Ike Caxton with his hair blowing in the wind. Yeah. Awesome. We had to put plastic over the cards <laughs> so they didn't blow away. The cards were so sticky. The dealers couldn't deal. And oh, it was a mess. We had brainstorms. Yeah. Just those, those days were very fun, but uh, yeah, memorable for sure. I miss it. I miss, I miss the, uh, you know, the kind of uh, trouble you get into and things that you have to, to deal with when you have those kind of live settings for sure. Yeah. The spontaneity, the problems that you have to solve in real time, the pressure. I'm sure yeah. that's, 
may not be a fun part of the job while you're going through it. I can't imagine dealing with rainstorms and sticky cards is fun in the moment, <laughs> but afterwards, you know, it's an experience. Yeah. We've had things like that all over the world. I did the first tournament in Macau many, many years ago and, you know, dealing with the gaming board, walking into their office, not even speaking the language and, and going there and sitting with the translator to try and get us approved for, for gaming in Macau. And, you know, it was the first tournament ever there. And then did the same thing in Monte Carlo or in the first tournament there. And uh, luckily uh, those things all went off successfully. And uh, yeah, it's just it, those experiences in my career have really made what it was it is today. And I, 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 you know, I value those, those times in my career for sure. And you, you kind of alluded to it, but I always think of you as the commerce guy, the commerce director, and you're not with commerce anymore. Is that, is that that's a forever thing? You're not going back? Uh, it's, you know, who knows? You know, they definitely have canceled all the major series for this year. We usually ran four series a year. Uh, I've had a really good run there. I've been there 10 years uh, and created a lot of different events and things that over the years that uh, have never been done before, things like reentry and you know, the social experiment and all these other events that, you know, that we put together and did for the first time there uh, that have, you know, really gone out from that one tournament, the LA Poker Classic and gone all over the world. But, uh, you know, who knows? Hopefully we can get the LAPC back next year and hopefully I'll be a part of it. As yeah. of right now, it's up in the air. I mean, the LAPC is the second biggest festival every year, right? Right. Yeah, it is. And, I know you played cash games out there at that time. That was probably your uh, sweet spot, right? You probably loved uh, having the LAPC players around coming down after the tournaments and playing the cash games. I love the cash games in LA pretty much all the time. And I'll say too, my favorite time at Commerce is probably when WSOP was running because all the pros are in Vegas. <laughs> They're right. in Vegas playing. And so like, who's, who's minding everybody else during the week <laughs> at, in LA? Well, brad wilson is right that's right that's right um i mean i've actually played some tournaments at commerce especially early on in my poker career some 1ks some 2ks just a great venue i mean just a great place i for some reason the crown plaza hotel i have very fond memories of that whole place even though a lot of people do not have such fond memories <laughs> yeah we talked about that earlier you know i would stay there literally for 40 50 days during the la poker classic and I loved it, you know, being able to get done at work two or three in the morning, go up and go straight to bed and just, you know, chill out in the mornings and, and get ready for the tournament the next day. I loved it. I like that kind of thing. I've never, you know, been opposed to it. A lot of people say, how can you do that? How can you live in one place? Why don't you get a place down by the beach? I'm like, who wants a hassle with the traffic there? It's like no chance I ever want to do that. I just no. it was happy there. My wife would come in on the weekends and, uh, you know, stay longer sometimes. And that made it very nice. You know, it was it was relaxing. It was like it was kind of like working 14, 15 hours a day, but not having to you know, worry about the pressure of, of all the other things that come around in life because you're there on site and, you know, just go do it. It was, a, it was really good. I, I really love that experience. And uh, I've done it, you know, there and other places. And uh, I love the grind, you know, just like a poker player loves the grind of a long tournament series. I love it on the other side when I'm working those. One of my favorite things for anybody running a poker room that has a hotel connected to it, like put your players on a board and call their room when their seat is available. This was like my favorite <laughs> thing at the commerce. And this is a tip for grinders out there that maybe play at the commerce, take care of the floor people and they'll take care of you, especially if you're staying there. I, many times I have been just chilling in my room and I get a call and they're like, Hey Brad, 
your name's up on the list. And I'm like, I, I'm not on the list. And they're like, yeah, you are. Come down. We, have, we got a good game for you. And yeah. all it takes is, you know, 20, 40 bucks here and there. <laughs> Thanks, Raven. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Um, another pro tip for all of you traveling grinders out there. Uh, I know that we spoke earlier about the WPT and the Champions Cup, and it's the Mike, Mike Sexton Champions Cup. Could you tell me how that came to be and what that means to you? Well, so, you know, in major sports, the, you know, you have Lord Stanley's Cup, you have the Lombardi Trophy, you have all of those things. Look, Mike Sexton, to me, is the greatest ambassador of all time in poker. Uh, him and Linda Johnson, to me, are, you know, one and one A. Uh, when it comes to that, they've done so much for the game. You know, Mike Sexton, uh, without him, the World Poker Tour wouldn't be, be there. You know, he was the guy that went with Steve Liscomb in the early days and, uh, definitely was a guy that if without him, poker would be so much different. Tournaments would be different. There would be no WPT in my opinion. Uh, he started the tournament of champions many, many years ago and put his passion into it and put his money up, you know, and lost money every year when he had that tournament of champions. So, you know, without him, uh, I, you know, saying there would be no WPT. So I think it's just only fitting that a guy like him, uh, deserves, uh, the honor of having his name on the cup. And uh, from here till forever, you know, once you get that, you're going to be on the Mike Sexton Champions Cup, and his name will always be a big part of the WPT and a big part of poker. So I, I, I love that we've done that to kind of uh, you know, honor him for what he's done for poker. Setting aside just all the ways that he's made poker better, been an ambassador of the years, was instrumental in party poker at the very beginning, I believe, as well. Tell me... What does Mike Sexton mean to you? Do you have any Mike Sexton stories, personal stories you'd like to share? Wow, so, so much. I mean, it's literally, you know, all of the hours we spent at final tables over the years. Now, I haven't always been with the World Poker Tour in the executive tour director role, but early on, I was always a part of those events. You know, we went to Costa Rica together and uh, the Aruba tournament together and uh, all over the world. I've traveled with him. And, you know, been a part of WPT events on the other side, you know, not actually working for the property that was running those events. And so many, many hours of him and uh, dinners and, and laughs and stories and, you know, the gambling stories that he has, you know, that he wrote about in his book and, and all the things that him and Vince and, and, you know, we used to gamble, you know, just on who was going to finish where and things like that. And just little, you know, fun things, you know, not big bets, just but we would just, you know, sweat, sweat it out, like as if we were playing at the final tables ourselves. And for him to win that tournament uh, at Montreal uh, and put his name on his own cup, I think was uh, like a career highlight for him. He does say that him getting his name as the uh, Mike Sexton's Champions Cup is more important to him than even being in the Hall of Fame, which is, you know, a big statement for somebody like that. I mean, I know how much he cares about poker. I know how much he cares about being in the Hall of Fame. And, and that's something that I think, uh, you know, is going to be a part of his life forever. For, he's just so excited about having his name there. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like we were kind of in tears when we all met. We had all a big Zoom call with all of our, our, our people and friends uh, and put his name on the cup. And he was, just, he was just so emotional saying, wow, I can't believe this is happening. He was just it was great. It was, it was one of those moments I'll never forget for sure. So uh, I'm happy and, and, and honored to have him as a friend. That's, that's for sure. I've never heard a, a negative thing about 
about Mike Sexton in my entire poker career and being immersed in the poker world and community as I have been, that's saying something <laughs> because I've heard bad things about pretty much everybody <laughs> at some point in time. Yeah, I know. That's true. Hopefully never about me though. Uh, nothing about nothing about you either actually we'll just keep it at that um, All right, good. <laughs> that's good you've heard me talk early and often about how improving your awareness while you're playing cards so that you make better decisions in the moment and notice trouble spots that merit deeper consideration is one of the most valuable things you can do to make more money on the felt in my conversation with the only four-time WPT main event champion ever, Darren Elias, he told me that his ability to shut out all of the distractions in the world and fully focus on making great decision after great decision is his superpower he most attributes to his success. And you cannot improve your awareness at the tables without being fully present. When you learn how to stay fully in the moment on the green felt, you can finally have a clear path to becoming the absolute best version of yourself, which leads me to Jason Sue. Jason is one of the foremost authorities on the planet when it comes to playing poker with presence. As a matter of fact, he even wrote the book on it. Here's a direct quote from Nick Howard at Poker Detox on Jason's ability to help you stay focused. Quote, Jason's work is a new paradigm in poker and performance. End quote. And these aren't just empty words. Nick has put his money where his mouth is by hiring Jason to coach up the Poker Detox crew. And as a loyal listener of Chasing Poker Greatness, you know by now that I would not be promoting anything I didn't 100% believe would improve your poker skills and your life. So if you want to master your emotions and perform at your peak with presence while doing battle in the arena, You'd be doing yourself a grave disservice if you didn't check out Jason's work at PokerWithPresence.com. One final time, that's PokerWithPresence.com. So another thing that's happened during COVID, obviously there's no live poker. So online has kind of risen up to bring it, you know, it's risen up as a way for all the recreational players and all the players who are, you know, geographically fenced in a location to play in these online tournaments. What do you make of that? What are your thoughts on the rise of online poker? Well, you know, I, I have a little bit of concern because you just see these series, you know, the party poker, hundred million dollar guaranteed series. And then you have, you know, the GG series and you have, uh, you know, of course, poker stars, the biggest of them all out there and there's just tournament after tournament after tournament and i worried about that with a live world i thought that there was you know going to need to be some consolidation i think that covid's going to cause some consolidation so i don't think that's going to be a hundred percent negative for the industry but uh one of the good things i've seen out of having online poker is that i've seen a lot of names out there cashing and making results of people that i haven't seen around poker for years and years and years so hopefully uh, when we come out of this, a lot of those people will go back to the live realm and say, hey, I missed it. I want to go back. I want to play and things like that when it becomes safe and people, people feel safe. But, you know, I always worry about the, you know, multiple reentry online and the late registration being too long and the lack of uh, big satellites like they're doing on Party Poker. That's one of the things that I think is great is that they are giving a chance for the little guy. Like last week on the final table that I commentated, the guy won for $33, ended up winning 500000 in a seat to the Tournament of Champions. So 
those are the stories I want to see more of. I want to see a lot more people like that winning life, changing money for a small amount. That's always what I've been about for poker as, as a little guy. You know, a lot of times people and the pros and all these people say, hey, you got to add more chips and more levels and all that other stuff. And the thing is, the problem with that is that it, it really affects the ecosystem too when you do that. When you see all these big names winning tournament after tournament after tournament and not seeing those people, you know, the no-name players, the people that you've never heard before winning these events, you know, you kind of are hurting the ecosystem. So that's always been my concern with online poker and especially now that, uh, you know, it just seems like everybody's doing something. There's, you know, a lot of unregulated sites out there right now, I'm sure you've heard of and, you know, maybe even playing on. And it's just one of those things that, I'm a little concerned about it, but again, you know, we needed to be concerned about it uh, during the boom too, because, you know, as you know, things didn't work out as well for all those sites. And uh, I just, you know, it's just always been a concern of mine since the beginning of online poker, but I'm a supporter. I think we should be able to play in the United States. We've been fighting this fight for a long time, and I don't know that it's going to change anytime soon. Obviously there's definitely a lot of things that are out there that are happening, uh, you know, but nobody's really talking about this. But every time I get a question online every day, people saying, well, let's just get online poker in the United States. Can't they see it? They can regulate it. They can make a lot of money. There's just so much other stuff going on in the world that uh, I don't think it's on the forefront of anything coming up. Yeah. It's, I think it's a law that nobody really likes. I don't, I'm not even sure that the government really likes it. It's just like number one millionth on the agenda of things to even look at considering all of the other things that are going on in our country right now. A guy on Twitter the other day, I was talking about unre- unregulated sites and I tagged Joey Ingram because he's runs security for all these places and kind of blasts platforms so that they nudges them to do the right thing. And so I just made a little tweet and said, Hey guys, you need, you know, either hire better customer support or just pay Joey Ingram for his time um, <laughs> for getting this shit done for you. And people get upset. One person in, in particular was like, hey, if you're playing on an unregulated site, you can't say anything if they steal money from you. And I'm like, well, 92% of America has no access to a regulated online poker site. So what are we supposed to do? Like, what, what is the option here? Um, basically try to play on the site that we trust the most and realize that, yeah, it can disappear and they, they can disappear with all the money overnight. It's a thing that has happened historically and we just have to live with those consequences. But like when people hit bad beats, jackpots, and they're not getting paid, yeah, you go public. You, you put pressure on them to make, make it right to the, to the player pool. But um, yeah, I've, I, I've for sure played on some of the sketchier unregulated apps and stuff like that. I think this is like the wild, wild, wild West. If there was a, a wild West back in 2006, this is even wilder than that. When you have a decentralized player pool with random Joe down the street, who's running a home game and like paying everybody out. That is pretty crazy to me that such a thing is, is really that, that it's not just happening, but it's, incentivized to happen there there's not that many other options yeah and a couple of them gone south already so it's it's one of those things that you know you just know are going to happen it's it's kind of like one of those things if you're going to play on that you're kind of taking a risk and people are willing to do it i'm not i you know i'm luckily luckily i have you know other options for myself uh you know you know it's not you're in the you're in the eight percent in vegas yeah, I'm in the eight percent in Vegas. You know, we have a partnership with uh, Party Poker in New Jersey, which we're doing a lot of things with them as well. So it's one of those things that I haven't been able to uh, really be a part of. But 
you know, I would probably play on them too if I, you know, needed somewhere to play. Uh, but I, I understand and I, I kind of feel sorry for poker players right now because those options aren't there for them. And, uh, you know, it's one of the things that that's why I'm really hoping that we get back out there as soon as possible and uh, try and make it uh, so we can get back to live poker. You, you mentioned the, the buzzword. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Ecosystem and GG Poker. What are your thoughts on how things are going down in GG land with, you know, the whole pro issue and Fedor, just all the things? You know, I, I, I don't, don't want to say I understand where they're coming from, but I understand that their platform is doing quite well. Uh, I haven't played on it myself, but I hear that it's a very good platform. Um, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, pros and the bum hunting that's going on, I see that as an issue. You know, you've probably dealt with that before. And it even happens in the live games too, right? With the private games and things like that. It's a very tough time. You know, people want to just go in there and play poker. And, you know, with, with people that, you know, may not be pros that want to do play in those big games as well, they're just not going to, to do it. They're not going to do it. I've talked to a lot of these people. They're not going to go play because they feel like, they feel like it's cheating, even though it's not because people are waiting for them to come and join the, the game. And once they do, they jump in the game and, and all the little tricks that uh, the, the people that wait and bum hunt have to, to make sure that they get in those games. It's, it's, it's troublesome, right? So I don't fully blame GG for what they're doing. I think that some of the things that they're doing are probably right, but uh, I'm not really an expert on that as well. So, yeah, I think it is a tough situation and function follows form. And so if you have a platform and you're paying money for research and development, come up with a system that doesn't allow for bum hunting to take place. Like come up with a better system where your players can't grim and, you know, just remove all these gray areas and then it's better for everyone. Right. I, I, I do very much dislike the statement that they put out about, um, the bad pros. And if we don't, if we don't take <laughs> action, then there's not going to be any more poker while offering, you know, carnival games to all of your people. That to me is like, you think we're that stupid where you th really think we're going to buy that. No, like what you're trying to say is you don't want the recreational players to go broke to the pros. You want them to go broke playing your silly little scratch off carnival game instead. <laughs> you know, like I just, I don't know. I, I, I want to be like, just be honest, right. With your intentions. I guess they don't, they don't have to be because there's really no competition for them and there's no reason for them to be, which brings me to us poker. And whenever things go down in the U S I would really love it. If the barrier to entry to enter the market was not so outrageously high that there's like two players in the game stars and WSOP. I mean, there needs to be competition so that we can innovate so that we can improve things. We can have better customer service, right? We can get things done. Uh, what are your thoughts? It's a tough, it's a tough market to crack. I mean, you see Phil Gal Galfon, who knows how he's doing with his site, but you know, he's trying to do the right thing, right? Talks about doing the right thing, but again, just, blowing through money i'm sure to try and make sure that that happens and that's it's sad that uh you know you get to a point in that uh, the the market is just too tough to crack and i'm afraid that when it does come back to the united states there are going to be just a couple sites that are going to be ready to go and uh, the rest of them are going to be 
trying to catch up. And, you know, it's, you know, you knew you need the, the, uh, you know, the, the appeal of the site, but you also need the security and you, you know, of course you need all the players as well. So it's a tough one. I, I hate to see that uh, we can't get this together. It just seems like at this point, you know, tw- almost 20 years later after online poker started, we just can't seem to get it together. And yeah. We're going I, backwards. It's definitely going backwards and it's unfortunate. You know, you would think that with the technology that's out there now that we could do better things. And I know that they're trying. I mean, like I said, I, I have meetings with party poker guys all the time and uh, they are trying, they're trying to do the right thing. Rob Young and, and his group, they just really are trying to give back to poker players. And, you know, how long is party poker going to look at Rob Young and say, Hey, <laughs> come on, let's go. Either we have some results or, or, you know, let's move on. But uh, unfortunately it's been, it's been tough for those that have been trying to do the right thing. And those that aren't doing the right thing are, are succeeding too. So it's, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough situation. I was there playing on party poker when UIGEA came out and party poker automatically extracted from the U S market and party poker was the biggest platform on the planet. And back in those days, platforms could pop up, you know, it was a free market. People were vying for space. There was competition. I, I just genuinely believe people that are waiting for the next poker boom it's already here. It's the U.S. market. That's the boom. Access to the U.S. market. Poker will boom again. I don't know if it'll boom forever or how big it'll be, but business will certainly skyrocket if that ever happens. And, you know, party poker, I'm sure, will just 5 or 10x their people pretty much overnight, just like they lost most of their people the first time when they pulled out of the market. But yeah, it's, it's a tough gig, and I, I don't know. I have no answers. I do root for Phil Galfon. Um, I want Phil Galfon to succeed <laughs> so badly. I wish I could support him, but he's not in the U.S. market, and, like, right. party poker is not in the U.S. Like, nope, nobody's in my market. So right. I'm, like, stuck on Ignition and Bovada, and, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what my options look like. Yeah, and we talk about, you know, the boom and things like that. But you have to realize that, look, if they're going to have the part, the poker market got so spread out, even in the United States, in the live, live realm, where there was a 1K event throughout the country pretty much every day. You could go find something in your neighborhood, right, where you could play those things. So it just didn't make as much sense to go travel and do a big event uh, where it did, like, in the early 2000s. So, like I said, I think there's going to be some consolidation coming out of this. And I think that might, you know, create little bigger fields for those successful and big rooms that do these big tournaments. And hopefully uh, that is the case, but uh, you know, I hate to see the small rooms close, but uh, you know, in some respects, I think it might be needed too. I feel for the people in like the heartland poker tour guys that have like a 1500 in the Midwest. And it's like, yeah, those, those tournaments are going to be very soft. The games are going to be good. No pros going to fly in for a 1500, you know, in Kansas city or whatever. But um, when they have access to like a worldwide population, all of a sudden, yeah, like you can, you can play a 1500. However, you're going to be playing against the crushers um, in every single tournament that you, that you enter. So I do feel bad for those kind of geographically fenced in locations that are now subjected to all of the online poker things that exist in the world. Right. Why should you have to move out of your home state to go live and play online poker? It seems so ridiculous. Oh, I mean, I have kids, you know, I have kids and I have to see them like every other weekend. Right. Mm -hmm. I I guess have to, I get to see them every other weekend. (laughs) They spend six weeks in the summer with us and like, 
what am I going to, what am I going to do? Move to Vegas and never see my kids again. I mean, obviously not. I'm just going to take my chances and play online, start a podcast and start coaching people, I guess. (laughs) There you go. There you go. (laughs) What's happening, my friend coach Brad here. And I wanted to take a moment to tell you about a project I've been working on that I think you're going to love. It's an audio learning pack with 64 tracks that will help you master your pre-flop cash game ranges. It's designed to help you gain confidence in your 6 max cash game pre-flop play while you're driving to work, pumping iron at the gym, or walking your dog so that you can sit down at any poker table in the world and be confident you have an edge pre-flop. The audio pack is super easy to use. You'll be able to listen to it in exactly the same way you're currently listening to the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. The price is 99 shekels and comes with 2 plus hours of audio as well as simplified versions of 60 plus optimal cash game grids for playing 6 max. If you'd like to check out the Preflop Mastery audio pack, head to ChasingPokerGreatness.com audio. One more time, that's ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash audio and now back to the show so no wsop this year well kind of i guess it depends on the perspective you look at it could be many wsops this year but how's your feeling on the wsop well it's funny that you know people uh talk about you know the bracelets not meaning as much and whatever until they win one right all these interviews of people that have won one are like, yeah, of course it's a real bracelet, right? So, yeah, I mean, it's it's special to those that win it for sure. And I think that, the, you know, WSOP didn't do anything wrong. I think they did the right thing, right? They made a bunch of money uh, by running these events online and they're doing, you know, everything they can to make sure that they have these events. So, you know, I kind of uh, applaud them for what they've done. You know, they've really reached out and they've made it international. They've made a local market event where they could still play in Las Vegas. And I know a lot of people that traveled into Las Vegas and to New Jersey to play those events. And, you know, I don't fault them for that. I don't fault them for that. I think that uh, they're doing what they can. I know they want to run live events again. I think that they feel that that's part of their brand. And uh, I, I really feel like they're going to try and do something later this year. We'll see. Uh, I haven't really had any conversations with anybody there, but uh, you know, there's a rumor out there that they might. And uh, if they do, good luck to them. I hope they do well. I always, you know, even though I'm with the World Poker Tour, when the WSOP succeeds, I think we all succeed. And I, I'm, I'm, you know, a big supporter of them when uh, they're in town and during the summer and I'm not working. I'm over there playing a few events myself. Uh, I do mix, miss the mixed games, though. I think mixed games are, you know, something that can really help uh, the poker boom continue, uh, as they say, because, you know, there's just so many other games out there. And, and to be honest, the people that play in those games, you know, probably aren't the best in the world uh, and they are not games that are solved. So I would like to see more mixed games. And, you know, of course the WSOP is a big part of that. So, uh, you know, like I said, I support them when they're around and I think that uh, we should support each other. And that never really happened in the past where, you know, you had all this competition and things like that. But uh, I really wish uh, back in those days that we worked more together and, you know, hopefully in the future we can. It's a classic abundance versus scarcity mentality. I see podcasters specifically they're like oh conan o'brien starting a podcast he's going to cut into the audience no dummy conan o'brien is going to grow the market right like if the wsop has one tournament with seven people in it guess what 
WPT is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> the, the market is dead, right? right. Yeah, so exactly. like you want WSOP to be as successful as possible and they should want the WPT to also be as successful as possible to both, you know, to build both of the markets and make sure that poker is healthy. I, I do think that however COVID comes to a close, whether it be a vaccine, whether it be some sort of effective treatment, I do think that when that goes down, live poker rooms are going to be bombarded with folks who have been deprived for a long time. Yeah. And you're seeing it even now in Vegas, people are going out and playing, you know, and it's not all young people either. You know, you think you'd worry about it with the COVID and being, you know, the older generation not playing, go look at those poker rooms, those tables. It's pretty, pretty amazing. It's like half the population feels like it's no big deal. And the other half people think I'm not going anywhere near a casino until this is over. And so, you know, it's to each his own. I consider it a choice. Uh, like I said, I talk to my friend uh, Bill Mason down in Seminole Hardwick all the time. They seem to be doing well. No outbreaks in their poker room of, of their players and things like that. So I think a lot of the protocol and things that they're doing now needed to probably be done before. I think people needed to be a lot more careful about, uh, you know, being sick and being the, at the, the card rooms and washing their hands and doing all those things. And I think the masks are here to stay for a while, but uh, you know, I just, I really believe that uh, those people that are doing those right things and trying to get back open uh, are even going the extra steps of what we've never seen before. And uh, you know, hopefully a lot of that will continue. And Matt, uh, before we, before we close down here, I, I wanted to ask you and feel free to decline, but um, a good, a friend of yours passed away very recently a tournament director yeah as a yeah he was a tournament director floorman for us yeah um ethan may uh such a good guy um he was at my golf tournament um less than a week before he passed away now ethan was just a, a big teddy bear just a nice nice guy he's 30 years old uh we had wow. talked every single day at the golf tournament and he said hey it's my this is my favorite week of the year please make sure you invite me back. Uh, you know, next year was kind of a running joke. And he would ask me that every day. Hey, can I get an invite next year? And I'm like, you know, of course you got to invite you're in for life. And he goes, I will never miss one of your tournaments. And then when I got that call on Tuesday morning, I was just like devastated. It was like, I'm not, I, you know, I'm getting to an age where people are, you know, dying around me, but it, it, that one really affected me for, for a few days to where I just couldn't, function. I, I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why, but maybe it was because I had just seen him and uh, he'd been such an integral, integral part of our, our golf function that we have every year. But also, you know, the fact that he worked with me at uh, Seminole Hard Rock and, you know, he worked at the World Series. He was always around and he touched so many people and uh, so many people reached out to me that I didn't even know and, and told me stories about Ethan. It was just, uh, it's devastating. You know, I, I, I talked to his, uh, longtime girlfriend Kate and she couldn't even form a sentence and so uh, I we we raised a lot of money for her and for the family and and uh, you know just just don't even know what to say I don't know how or what you know people keep asking me what happened but I know that he just collapsed he was playing in a private game collapsed and uh, was able to be revived and just such a tough story and you know it it's going to take a while to get over that one because he's, you know, he was just a, such a great guy. I mean, everybody that knew him loved him. He was very patient with the players. He was patient with the people he worked with. 
and uh, just a guy you wanted to have a beer with. And so it was, it was very sad. And uh, yeah, like I said, I won't be over with that one for a while. Um, so we have a platform here and we have, we have some time. So you have any Ethan May stories you want to share, share here with the audience in memoriam? Um, yeah, I mean, all, most of my stories come from, from playing golf and, uh, he was a guy that like, I played with golf with him last year and, you know, he was a, a beer, a whole guy, you know, he would drink a beer every hole and he didn't, he said he was going to drink the state of California out of Miller light this year <laughs> and he called me the first day and said, I can't find any Miller light. <laughs> What's going on? And you guys said, Ethan, you're just going to have to drink something else. Um, but he, you know, basically just being, being there and the guy, he took, he, he, he made it a point to come to me the last day and said, just say, give me a hug and say, thank you for, for inviting me. And thank you for, for this time. And like I said, this is my favorite week of the year and uh, I just can't wait for next year. I'm, I'm sad it's over. And so, you know, like we said, goodbye. And next thing I know, you know, is getting that phone call. So it's, uh, yeah, I just, uh, you know, the stories for me is, is, is basically that. He was, he was the guy that uh, we used to joke around all the time with and say, uh, you know, make him eat a salad. And we would take pictures of him eating salads everywhere we went. And uh, we would send him to his, his girlfriend, Kate, and say, look, he's eating good. He's eating salad. <laughs> and, then, and then the steak would come, right? So, but yeah, he, uh, yeah, just too soon, man, too soon, 30 years old. Well, my, my condolences to you and Kate, the rest of the WPT family. That's uh, 30 years old is way too soon. Way, way too yeah. soon. Yeah, for sure. Um, Matt, it's been great, as always, having you on the show. Definitely want you back, you know, oh, when, cool. when you have free time. <laughs> when I you have free time it. running tournaments, you know, now yeah. you're, you're not running tournaments anymore. So you're just busy all the time. Yeah, I, I love it. Thank you for having me back. And I, I, I said, I was just telling, you know, my guy, Matt Clark, with the World Poker Tour, uh, who runs our, you know, social media and stuff. Like I said, I feel honored, you know, I like, feel like one of the only guys that's ever been on the show twice. And you do such a great job. I, I really love listening to your shows. Like I said, you've introduced me to so many new people. And I hope that uh, your coaching is doing well and that you uh, are being very successful because uh, you work hard at it. It's obvious it shows in your shows. And I appreciate what you're doing. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. See you, you when see you when live poker comes back. All right. Thanks a lot, Brad.